Arthur, could you do me a favor? Could you just read the following line that I'm going to post on the Discord? Um, sure. Cool. Thank you. Trust me, it'll be worth it. I sing so beautiful. I should sing solo. Yeah, solo, we can't hear you. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our uh, show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, I'm Michelle. Jesus Christ. I'm Arthur, and I'm tricked. And I'm Mike. Wait a minute. <laughs> Mike, you sound a little bit different today. Uh, I'm, I'm Mike. I haven't seen the show before, and I want to talk about it. All right. That's Mike. Uh, no, here. wait, wait, wait. What? Quiz me. Come on, guys. What's your full name? Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, you guys got me. I'm the new form of the homunculus of ignorance. It's me, Magellan, from Chats, a television podcast. What's up, everybody? Mike, unfortunately, is too busy still traveling between the land of the dead and the land of the living. So we had Magellan here as our guest host for this episode. Mike will be back next episode, or maybe he will be back in this episode. Who knows? Woo! Oh. You could say he's actually yeah inside of my uh, brain and we're having a sort of internal struggle type of thing <laughs> it's a nutty professor kind of situation where uh, <laughs> my drink and drink and become Magellan and then <laughs> that's the biggest insult I've ever received in my life <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm, I'm just sorry. kidding I'm just kidding I would love to be the nutty professor our guest today is comedian and host of the podcast bad products Please welcome to the show, Pete Balmer. Hey, thanks for having me. Waiting until we finish that whole professor. Yeah, I wanted to, I was like, I don't want to spoil the surprise that I'm here, but uh, I have to chime in on the envy of this podcast, Magellan posing his mic. I would have done it the whole episode. Crouching in the wings. Pete, we want to start things off by asking you the question we always ask whenever we have a brand new guest, which is how did you get started with Full Metal Alchemist? So um, I watched Full Metal Alchemist for the first time. I want to say like six years ago, seven years ago. My older brother had watched it in its entirety and he recommended it to me and my younger brother. And so me and my younger brother did that for a couple days and just kind of knocked that out. And then I also recently rewatched it about a year ago, kind of like right at the start of pandemic. I just showed it to my friends, called a couple weeks. So yeah, big fan. And did you watch the 2003 show or just uh, Brotherhood? Just Brotherhood. I hear that Brotherhood is better than the 2003 show, so I didn't want to go disappoint myself. We'll find out soon. It's officially now our next project after this. Oh, that's a yeah. bummer. <laughs> yeah, so. Did you say it's that's a bummer? <laughs> maybe a bummer for us, but I think... For people who listen to us, it will probably be fun. This week's episode is Bite of an Ant, and it was directed by Takahiro Ikizoe, who directed the pilot episode, Reunion, and a couple more after this. It was written by Yoneki Tsumura, who wrote several episodes before this one, but also, fun fact, this is their penultimate writing credit in Full Metal Alchemist, so we're coming up on the spot where some people stop writing for the show because there's no more episodes to write for. We're, we're actually less than 20 episodes away from the end no we're actually exactly 20 episodes away from the end we were just talking before we started recording about who is the eponymous ant the unofficial consensus was envy i don't think envy's an ant i think envy's more of a tadpole yeah it's reference to father talking about humans as ants right yeah mm. so yeah. the ants are the humans mm, i see and this idea that even something as small as the bite of an ant could bring you down Topple if it's like venomous enough or whatever yeah that's why i don't mess with ants um i don't mess with insects at all I feel like we should fear them, rightfully so. They are the <laughs> true kings and queens of this planet, and we are merely passengers. Passengers. <laughs> 
on the great starship ant so let's get things started by doing our recap this is the moment of the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21 second recap of the episode we just watched and that person will be decided by the roll of a dice if he lands on one it's me if he lands on two it's arthur if he lands on three it's magellan if he lands on four it's our guest pete so let's roll the dice three that's me right magellan oh incredible three two one go okay so the russians lose a land war in asia we learn some more about alkahestry or something uh envy's coming to town and thinks that that's cool but gets bitten by the ant and becomes a tadpole and then may's gonna leave and uh we see a bunch of soldiers underground too that's pretty scary you had like two extra seconds. You forgot the post credits, you know, where uh, I'm saving it. I'm saving it. I gotta give it up. Okay, so yeah, we start with Kimberly. He carves the crest of blood. That was a fun little twist. Poor Russian general guy. Poor dumbass. Uh, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, he's so stupid. Yeah, no, that would be pretty stupid if like Mexican diplomat came here and was like, Hey, like, if you guys invade Mexico, we're totally defenseless right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I swear, I promise, they're all looking the other way. Look at how confidently his hands are in his pockets. And of his white suit, this impossibly sleazy-looking guy. Yeah, trust him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The value of this moment to me is Ed has this whole thing about how he doesn't kill and you could read that as just the sort of standard protagonist thing of like, oh, Batman doesn't kill, Spider-Man doesn't kill or whatever, because we need to just like them and not deal with that. But also there's like a legitimate strategic reason in the fight against the homunculi why killing is a bad idea. It's the whole thing of Briggs is like ready to defend itself and just slaughter the drachma guys. But in so doing, even though they have a way to justify like killing their enemies, they're sort of they're winning the battle, but they're contributing to losing the greater war against the homunculi. And there's this conversation that Armstrong and Olivier have later about that, where Armstrong is sort of like, that was kind of stupid. And Olivier is like, well, we were under attack, so we had to defend ourselves, which makes you wonder how she's gonna respond to the like immortal army of hollow soldiers thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I have some negative thoughts about this episode, and I feel like it'd be good for me to get them out of my chest right now. As dear for Metal Alchemist, I think it's admirable that you would bring back such an old character like the guy who used to work for Greed. But I hate to tell you this, I don't give a shit about him. You cannot make me give a shit about him. Last time I saw this dude, Trump was president. I don't fucking care. I don't care who he is. He's so unimportant. I literally Google his name. And in the span between Googling his name and starting to record this podcast, I forgot what his name was. <laughs> like, I do not care about this guy. <laughs> but he just loves greed so much. <laughs> it's like, get yeah, get over yourself. Like, come on, dude. Are you really? I can only assume because he's crying about greed at the start of this. He's been crying this whole time. Right. So he's he worked for the old greed. Yeah. But that greed doesn't even exist in the same consciousness anymore. Like he doesn't have old greed memories, right? No. no. Okay. So this is all right. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> Beto doesn't know that. Beto, that's his name. That's it's kind of like the show trying to figure out a way to break Greedling back into the story. It's like, what if we push Greed's old buddies back into the scene? And I'm like, 
no thank you let's push him off a cliff this is a, <laughs> this is a great segue for me to say this is an edition of arthur's panda talk oh well thank you this is a historical moment michelle opening a panda talk segment Arthur, let me just tell you i'm so happy and you know what it's sad that mike isn't here but i'm glad he's yeah. not here because now i can take over the segment and say this is the last fucking panda talk because oh, may Cheng is gone oh, <laughs> oh man get out of here don't let the door hit you on the way out sucks you gotta <laughs> privately interview mike about this this is a really sad moment to miss i'm gonna do my regular segment but this is a segment within panda talk now it's time for arthur's panda talks shipping and handling <laughs> you start a segment within a segment okay whatever yeah and i just want to say that i think It'd be kind of funny if Worm Envy and the panda were a ship. I do hope for that, too, because that means that Worm Envy would eat the panda. And then not only no. would he <laughs> be out of the story, the panda would be dead. No, no, no. Yes. no be... yes. The panda <laughs> would be in love. Envy homunculus at that point. <laughs> yeah, instead of turning into a big dog, Envy would turn into a big panda. Pete, let me ask you a question. As our guest... What is your opinion of the panda? I have a pretty neutral opinion on the panda. It seems like it's maybe not for me specifically, but I think the panda probably is important to some viewers of the show. Uh, it's cute. <laughs> neutral. Neutral. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I hate to beat them because today, Kalu Kale, what a joyous day. The panda is dead. This is how democracy dies. <laughs> Arthur and Mike love the panda so much they won't shut up about the panda. And the panda uh, annoys me, Pete. I despise the panda. <laughs> it sounds like, like a super villain. Like the like panda the annoys me. I hate the panda. I hate its black. I hate its white. I hate the way it creeps around in the night. <laughs> well, it's good you have that dynamic on the podcast. Good little exactly. back and forth on the panda. Yeah. Get a conflict because <laughs> that's where story point. comes from. The panda's three-dimensional character. Do you like the panda, Magellan? Do you like the panda? I like liking the panda. I don't really I'm neutral also. You can give me the same neutral. <laughs> it sounded like a, a stamp <laughs> that was hitting the screen. Neutral. Sometimes just like liking things for the sake of annoying people. So oh. I like the panda. You can't annoy me. You can't annoy me, Magellan. You can't. In fact, I'm gonna take the opportunity that Mike's not here to stretch my wings and to say let the joyous news be spread the putrid old panda is finally dead Yay! ding dong the panda's dead coral right, panda right, right. panda ding dong the puny panda's dead i'm not getting the segment wake up sleeping head rub your eyes get out of bed wake up the puny panda's dead She's gone where the mascots go below, 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 yo ho. Let's open up and sing and ring the bells out. Ding dong, the Mario. Sing it high, sing it low. Let them know the beauty panda's dead. All right, and that concludes Panda Talk. There, it's done. It's over. Can we talk, though, about how unceremonious May's right. exit from the show is? It's so weird that Scar's like, and now you leave. I, I don't know. That wasn't satisfying <laughs> to me. The reason it's weird is because 
Scar is treating the whole Shang thing with much more attention and carefulness than the show has. Because, like, May and Ling were introduced with, like, okay, they're trying to get the secret to immortality to please their emperor. And that was introduced and dropped the next episode. And it's like, okay, they're just with the gang now, and nobody gives a shit about the emperor. And every once in a while, they bring up the emperor, but it's like, yeah, but really, you're only here to help us, right? You don't really care about the emperor. And it's like, Technically, I do, but really, I don't. It's also weird is that, like, I don't know what the plan is with, like, the little yeah. envy, you uh -huh. know? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> we have the most, like, you know, senior scholar of homunculus and philosopher stone, Dr. Marco, right there. And, like, he doesn't seem to be consulted at all in this decision. It's just kind of like, you want to get rid of this thing? <laughs> Take it to a different Did country. Did you guys not plan past this? We are talking about Mace exit but may's exit is connected to the big part of this episode which was the plan which Horrible i don't plan. i don't really understand where the plan ended and where the improvisation began you know <laughs> the plan was like let's bring envy over dot what? dot dot <laughs> and even before that like zampano just comes back with the grifter and you're like who by the way it still has envy's face which is like a funny like envy can change anything it still has the same face on the grifter but then how did zampano even like was he just walking around town be like we have a dr marco if anyone needs oh, a dr you know, marco uh... The previous episode, the there was a post-credit scene where he called over Envy. Yeah, he, he was like, ah. literally called Envy on the phone. And then Envy looks into camera and is like, this is going to be interesting, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, cool. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Zampano. He did get me with the Zampano swerve there. I did think that he had turned, but then he's good. And Yeah, that no, was Zampano being good, actually, was I kind of liked. It was almost like that Dear Sister sketch where it was like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Zampano's going to call Envy. Envy's going to come over, and Envy's going to be like, you're really bad at acting, Zampano. Then Zampano's going to step away and be like, am I? Then Envy's going to try to walk around. We're going to blow her up. But then, in desperation, Envy's going to grab Dr. Marco. When he does, Dr. Marco is going to draw something <laughs> like... That would have happened Ooh, in the plan. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't. I swear to God, I like rewatched that section twice trying to figure out like what was their original plan. Also, I mean, if they knew that Marco would be the target, then like why Alphonse was just over like watching May do Alcahestry. Like he should have been over helping out. If <laughs> that was, right. Yeah. yeah. I recently rewatched the Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve, you know, and in Ocean's Eleven they really walk you through the plan. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven, you know the plan, so that when the plan goes wrong, you're like, oh no, we're deviating. But in this, you can only assume that what happened was exactly the plan. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like the plan was for Marco to get grabbed, so then Marco could destroy the stone. <laughs> However. I will say that I thought it was very funny <laughs> and be blowing up a bunch. I thought that was very funny. It was basically, I keep comparing this to stuff, but it was basically the SpongeBob episode where Squidward keeps getting attacked by the sea bear and where Envy's like, all right, okay, so I'll just follow your foot. <laughs> Especially when the traps were like, instead of just being the spikes, they'd be like a pointed finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because the traps were in traps. The traps were may doing alchemy from afar yeah traps quote unquote but why were they lying to envy what were they trying to get was a plan for envy to just stand completely still and then we yeah. get into the problem of like did alphonse not tell them that envy can turn into a giant monster to a giant monster <laughs> right yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So, so we just never know what their plan is and so that whole scene you know the end result is great 
but that whole scene that was like bro what's going on right now like okay what's gonna happen what, what uh, and so, okay uh, the plan was to capture envy to get information but i think what michelle is saying is that they couldn't have known the like if we blow up the philosopher's stone envy will turn into a little tadpole part of it like how could they have no. <laughs> no for sure no they would have had to do the thing they did with gluttony and like wrap him up with all the like metal cables and that would have been super inconvenient right one thing I thought was kind of interesting, like when I see this, because obviously envy is like envious of people kind of is the implication. And we sort of learned that for the first time more concretely this episode, because we see like what envy's sort of true form is and take stock of like how ruled by their sin are each of the homunculus where like gluttony, very gluttonous, envy, very envious. <laughs> But like Wrath is, we've seen this episode too with um, Hawkeye and Wrath and like they really go out of their way to kind of humanize him and make him seem like, you know, actually kind of a nice guy in sort of a tough situation and really not very hot tempered guy at all, despite being, you know, Wrath. Right. I think it's interesting because then like, you know, greed is very greedy, sloth is very slothful and you can kind of like... Look at the breakdown of like the sort of in charge homunculus, you know, like lust, pride, and wrath are like not themselves seemingly like ruled by what their supposed sin is compared to the sort of more minor homunculus. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And I think one thing with wrath is that he was human first and he got yes. kind of turned. So I guess yeah. maybe that gives him a little more dimensionality. It's fascinating the fact that he chose his wife. You know? Yeah, I actually like that moment. I thought that was interesting. It makes you wonder what that even means like does that really humanize him or what are we supposed to feel about that because it seems like what he's ultimately piecing through and wanting hawkeye's opinion on is not the extent to which he's human but the extent to which the power that he holds is true power that he has and i wonder if that is a manifestation of his wrath in a way that he feels kind of like limited in what he's able to do because everything was handed to him and given to him and built for him to be the figurehead you could read it as this human thing of like however my wife is the one person that i chose my and wife. i think Haw hawkeye my wife and i think hawkeye <laughs> maybe hawkeye sees it that way of like oh he could be a, a dude but you could also see it as him just not wanting to be the puppet of, you know, this larger conspiracy. Like maybe he's not particularly wrathful all the time in individual interactions, but he is perpetuated the genocide and stuff. For, yeah, through his actions, he has exerted a lot of wrath. That being said, let's talk now about that final scene before the post-grad scene, which is the moment when it is revealed that actually these laws that alchemists have been told to follow were like a cockamamie story that the state built up so that nobody could do the evil shit they're doing, which I think is great. It has no relation to life in the real world at all. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot draw a line between what was shown in this fictional story and the actions of certain real life figures. And to even imply something would be honestly very ridiculous. I just love... That turn where he's like, oh, why do you think that people aren't allowed to make people? It seems like that doesn't make sense as a rule. Like, obviously, we wouldn't want economic problems if people are making gold. And Olivia is kind of like, yeah, I guess I never thought about it. It's probably just like ethically wrong. And he's like, 
ethics <laughs> ethics change all the time it's because we don't want people making a dang army of course <laughs> that just the, like the logic of that is really satisfying to me for some reason i'm not sure why but i like that moment a lot it's interesting because that in itself feels like kind of a big reveal of just you know you realize like the laws are not what they appear to be and the first time you see that you're like oh whoa and then they just immediately have such a bigger reveal of like not only do we are these laws you know in place purely to protect the state as opposed to any other sort of more positive motivation but we are actively abusing the shit out of this and we have a huge undead army and nobody fucking cares yeah <laughs> and they all know and nobody cares anyway fiction isn't it funny <laughs> magellan yep. now it's time for you to go up to the bat and take the place only for this episode in magellan at the bat This is the moment of the podcast where usually Mike, but now Magellan, predicts what's going to happen in next week's episode based solely on the title and the thumbnail. Magellan, will you please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, Revving and Full Throttle? Okay, so we see a picture of the Sage of the West or something or whatever Mike always talks about. No, we see it's Al and Hohenheim sharing a stern gaze at each other, and they met right after the credits in this episode so i think they're just gonna have a big old father-son heart-to-heart actually and also i think that al just like van hohenheim is an immortal philosopher's stone of an armor man or something there's something about their conditions that's related we're moving towards the elric family being reunited to face the evil but there are going to be some sort of revelations about what is the deal with the elric family on a metaphysical level uh, on the process of getting there. And uh, Van Hohenheim, you know, he invented his own form of good alchemy, fight the bad alchemy, and that's going to be helpful too. Do you want to make any other predictions towards the future of the show? I don't know, because now it's sort of, it feels like things have gotten a lot simpler, actually. Just seems like we're moving towards, we need to create a good big circle instead of a bad big circle. And there's going to have to be some kind of heroic sacrifice at some point, and someone's going to turn or, you know, there's going to be those kinds of beats. But in terms of the greater world building of the show, I don't have a read yet on what more could be revealed. That's a good prediction. And oh, wait a second. I'm picking up something. It's a transmission from the land of the dead. Here is Mike with his prediction. Okay, so I'm in Miami right now, and I just listened, I mean, I just watched episode 43, and I'm so sad that I didn't get to record this one with you guys, because it's crazy. Zampano and, you know, whatever, Bebop and Rocksteady are cool. Like, first of all, they're cool. Like, holy shit, they're cool, hilarious, and also awesome. Yoki, really overestimating his value to the team there. <laughs> really just like... Yeah, he sucked. Like, as soon as he was, his body was taken over, I was like, oh, that's a cool thing that Envy can do. Also amazing was the baby holding on to Mako's clothing and being like, ah, ah, the baby. Oh, my God, the weird baby soul. The way Envy dies is, or not dies, but the way Envy is basically stripped of all his their power is, is crazy cool. It's a great moment. 
Oh my God, there's so many good things. There's so many things to talk about. Like, I'm a little concerned about May taking Envy back in this little bottle. It just reminds me of like, oh, yeah, I guess it's just a small little guy in a flask. You know, what's the worst that could, that could happen, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, we've seen that go wrong before. You know, like they're just gonna send this thing back to the emperor in the east and expect no no problems. Like, I don't know. I think something bad's gonna happen there. Okay, my prediction. I don't have the thumbnail, but it's like full throttle. Definitely some kind of car chase. We gotta find out what Ed's doing. Edward. Maybe not a car chase. Maybe it'll be like machinery. Machinery will be involved. Maybe like uh, we gotta get there in time situation. You know. Okay, that's my prediction. Um, I also want to address the tiny pan in the room uh, and say my goodbyes. I also want to apologize in advance for whatever Michelle is doing to mark this occasion. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's quite something. As coroner, I must know. <laughs> no. I thoroughly examine Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by giving it. I don't think there's any better definition of a 2.5 episode than this. It just left a weird taste in my mouth that I can't wash. So I'm like, eh. 2.5. I give it a 3.5. I thought it was very good, actually. I thought the whole Envy section, although the plan part was weird, if you don't think that much about it, I think the moments it created were cool, especially with Dr. Marco. He had like a really cool character moment where he's clearly still racked by guilt and Envy tells him that he sacrificed his whole team. That felt like a full circle. There was a weird tongue baby. Oh, and I love the moment when... um. Envy's in the jar and just goes, this sucks. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the cleanest thing, but there was a lot to like. This is a tricky one. I, you know, I wish that I had a rubric to score this on instead of a kind of flat score. But I think ultimately the thing with this episode is that it has these isolated pockets of everything that you love about Fullmetal Alchemist. It's got some holy crap moments, some huge laughs, some revelations, some philosophizing, a lot of moments from different characters, but it just ends up being less than the sum of its parts. I'm going to say three to be nice, I guess. I definitely agree that different parts of the episode feel a bit disconnected. I also did really like the Dr. Marco character moment. He hadn't really had much time in the limelight previously, and it was, you know, interesting to sort of see more from him. Frankly, I'm just a big sucker for when there's a lot of little things attacking a big thing, and this delivered on that. So I'm going to go 3.5. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it an enthusiastic four stars. Why not five stars, you might ask? Why not five stars? It, it seems like it should get a five stars. You know, maybe it should but I, I'm not giving it five stars. I'm giving it four. I don't know what it would have had to do to get five stars. I, I don't know. One like small little note. I love the technique they do in Full Metal Alchemist of having the kind of like shiny glasses used to indicate that this is a bad guy. Uh, <laughs> and there's like a good moment when the anonymous military scientist guy is like taking Olivia down and then the glasses glint and you're kind of like, oh, where have I seen that before? And then you're like, oh yeah, it's from the original big bad doctor guy. So something nefarious must afoot. And then, and then there is. 
We're coming up on the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts, and that means I want to take this moment to thank our guest, Pete Palmer, for coming. Pete, thank you so much. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you told everyone how much you hate the Panda 2 uh, and how you're <laughs> on my side. Hang on a minute. <laughs> the record will show that I was neutral. Neutral. And I also like to thank Magellan for filling in for Mike. Again, Mike will be back next week, but there will be no more Panda Talk. Panda Talk is not dead. Yay! A victory for me. Well, thank you, Magellan. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, of course. It was a fun time. I'll be Mike any Mike. Pete, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I have a podcast called Bad Products. It's where me and a friend of mine talk about products that we think are bad and why. It's kind of a fun time. Magellan, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, so I'm coming at all of you from another television podcast called Chats, a television podcast, C-H-A-T-Z, like it's the 90s and things are still cool where we do a similar thing to the fellas over here, but we watch other shows. Uh, and I'm also doing a monthly podcast now with my friend Justin called Super Smash Echoes, where we play one game every month from a franchise that's represented in Super Smash Brothers. So if this is June, it means that you just released an episode on Majora's Mask. And that, that's what I got, those two podcasts. And now, Pete, we would like you to do your best Full Metal Alchemist, just like the interstitials. Full Metal Alchemist. And if you don't want to get stuck inside of a jar, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillastrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you'll receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then... Ding dong, the panda's dead. Put your panda, put Bye, your panda. everyone. Ding Bye. Dong, <laughs> panda's dead. Hey.